Welcome to the Better Than Healthy podcast, where I help you go beyond the numbers and rules you were taught about health to create the results that you really want, feeling better, consistently taking care of yourself and loving yourself more. I'm your host, Ashley Braffman. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am back at my normal setup, and I do plan to record most episodes this way because I know the there was a lot of background noise in last week's episode, but if you listened, thank you for sticking with it. So some of these episodes are a little bit more thought out and planned, and some of them just come from what I'm thinking about at the time. And this one is going to be the latter. It's just kind of what I was thinking about on my walk today, and I decided I wanted to record and share it. But if you like something that's a little bit more planned out, I do have one planned upcoming soon. I don't know exactly what week it'll release, but around, I really want to dive into some of the research And I have been building it and creating it around weight because that is one of the tricky topics to move away from is because so much of health and wellness is focused around weight. And one of the areas where I think intuitive eating and health at every size can get accused of is cherry picking research that just says weight doesn't matter or that you can eat whatever you want and how, you know, it's just cherry picked, but not actually really true. So I want to cover research from both sides of that argument and that will be coming upcoming and obviously it's going to be a little bit more planned out because I'm going to put some research articles in the show notes and all of that but one thing I just want to say about it I think using it of being cherry-picked is you could honestly find research to support any argument you wanted to at this point around nutrition like that's how you end up with people who are, you know, having research that support eating a completely carnivore diet and you have people who have research to support how eating completely vegan is the best thing you can do for your health. So there's research out there that supports one side. It kind of depends on the lens and the question that they are trying to answer. And so that's why you want to look for a balance of information and run it through the filter of what's going to be best for you. And if there is just one thing that I could teach you, it would be to make sure you always run things through a filter of what's going to work best for you and run it through your values because including all the things that I say, all the things anyone else you listen to says is we have ideas and advice and tips and there's different things like that that you can find all over the place on the internet, but not all of those tips will work for you. They may work for somebody else, but they may not be the right one for you. So making sure you're filtering and instead of trying to force yourself to fit into the picture or tip process that somebody created, if it's not working through you, figure out how to make it work for you because that's what's going to build something sustainable that actually works for you is by making sure it aligns with your values, making sure it aligns and fits into your life or if it's not something that fits into your life and you want to do it, like finding steps that bridges together where you are now and where you'll be then, but of really applying it through the filter of you versus trying to make yourself match somebody else's idea and image of what it's going to look like. That's really why I try to really talk about decisions a lot. And because I think that's where it really becomes most powerful for us around health, around anything, is when we really are taking the responsibility and ownership of making those decisions for ourselves. And of course, use other people's guidance and wisdom, but make sure you're applying the final decision through yourself, because that's when you can really find the really consistent thing that works for you, but also learn 
to be that own decision maker in your life so that way you can rely and trust in yourself the most. Now let's move on to the actual topic that I wanted to go over today, which is something that I've been thinking about myself for different areas of my life, but also how much it applies very much for intuitive eating and health. And it is how we value the process of something versus how we value the result. And I'm sure this is probably not the first time you're hearing this. There's countless books that I've read and people talk about all the time of like enjoying the process and the steps along the way versus enjoying like the end result and the goal that you're creating, like the slight edge or compound effect. Like there's so many different books. Atomic Habits, that's another one, is that talk about the little steps that you take along the way, like the process and celebrating that over celebrating the results. But something today was just clicking for me even more with it. And I think we're really socialized to value the end result so much more. And I was thinking about this in the context of like my education. So with my bachelor's degree and the master's degree, it's it's kind of like, oh, you get to graduation. And that's really the part where you're celebrating the success and the accomplishment is you graduated, you completed the thing. Or when it was workout programs, it was getting to that last day and being able to have every single box checked of the workouts. Like that was like the true celebration of like, I made it, I completed it. And it's this very final thing of now it's done. And that's what we can really be looking for in results sometimes is that accomplishment and achievement at the end and of that's being what we're celebrating versus the process because that's something I've been working on is how I can find even more ways to really enjoy the process of working towards different goals that I have for my own personal life because I think in the past and even sometimes currently is I viewed the process of something like as the steps that I have to get through to get to the good part so Back in the day when I was dieting, it's like the workout was this like drag thing that like, yeah, it did help my energy levels and help me feel better, but it was this step to check off to get to the end. And same with following my calorie limit and my calorie tracking app, all those different things, they were these dragging steps I had to complete in order to get to the end result. And I was always just so focused on not having that result yet and did not trust the process at all did not enjoy the process at all. And so then it made it feel so much harder. And I think, and that's why it was this cycle of you commit to it because you want the result, but then you're in the process and the excitement wears off. And then you're like trying to, when the motivation is not really a helpful way, that's when it starts to feel like that drag and makes it seem so much longer. But here's the thing. Besides the examples I gave earlier where there's like a clear end point where it's like completed. So like my master's degree, when that was done, it's like I had that master's degree forever. And the different steps along the way, it's like, yes, I checked off this box. I completed that class that goes towards this degree. And like that stage of the process is done. And like, it's like checking those boxes. But most things in life aren't like that. Most things in life are a continuous process for really the remainder of our lives. One of my goals is to consistently make sure I'm maintaining flexibility and mobility like in my back, in my hips, through like my hamstrings, through my core, because if I don't do that, then I experience back pain. So it's this constant thing. It's like I can't, like I can touch my toes, but say I couldn't touch my toes. And if my goal was to be able to touch my toes, if I reached that and I did it and I eventually got there and was like, oh, now I can touch my toes 
And then I stopped doing the process that created me being able to touch my toes, whatever stretches I was doing to get there. If I just stopped doing that, like, yep, I check my toes. And if I stopped doing that, it's like eventually I wouldn't be able to touch my toes again. Because most things that we really consistently have in life that we talk about here when we're focusing on health, when we're focusing on a relationship with food, when we're focusing on a relationship with ourselves, it's not some checked box that is just done. It's something that we have to consistently do if it's something we consistently want to have. Or if we even think like in our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, like if say we have a really close friend and it's like if we completely never communicate with them, it's like, yeah, you may have those friends who it's like you can always pick back up with, but it's not like the same relationship as if you're seeing them every single day or talking every single day. And if we're only looking for and celebrating the result and the accomplishment, then it can seem so much more difficult to stay motivated because that's not something that we're experiencing every single day. It can start to feel like a drag if we're like, oh, this thing I have to do, but like, and we're not appreciating the results that that is bringing to us. And then it can end up feeling like we're always waiting for the results and the accomplishment. And that, and if it's something that's not consistently maintained, then it can be this really disappointing cycle. And I've seen where people are like, oh, well, like, what's the point kind of, you know, with that side of it, of being like, well, it's not getting the results that I want at this point in time or, you know, having to maintain it can seem like too much. And then it becomes this like a, like lacking the motivation for that reason. And I think because for me, so many of my early life goals, because I was very motivated for school and getting degrees and those accomplishments. And with those goals, I really learned to really focus on the end result versus focusing on the process. Or even I played sports when I was younger and it was focusing on the number of shots made or focused on the end score of the game. And those results were really what I was focused on. And like I did do stuff in the process to practice, but it was like this thing to do to get to that result. And I never truly learned some of the things of just appreciating just to do. So I Another book that was standing out to me was I was reading one about focus where it talked about different artists, like a painter who paints and for the love of the process of painting and how they can create this like beautiful piece of art. And instead of sitting there and appreciating that, it's like the creation is the part that they love. The process is the part that they love. So they may sit there and appreciate the painting, but like they put it down and they start on the next one because they're really in love with the process and the act of creating. And that is very different than like when the goal is like creating this masterful piece of work, then it would be that whole process along the way is like if you're not trusting in the process, if you're not believing in the process and enjoying the process, it can be like, oh, well, it's not here yet. It's never going to get there. Like it's so much easier to go down that path than when you are just truly focused on creating for the love of creating. Which makes me think of like the different stages in the relationship that I've had with exercise throughout my lifetime with some of that being in sports when it was like for the love of playing the game, it's like practicing, sprinting around, doing all these different things didn't seem that difficult to do. Like sometimes it was really difficult in the moment, but it was like for this appreciation and love of like being able to play the game, being able to play the sport. And then in college, it shifted a little bit more for me of like exercise being this means to an end almost of like it was this means to be healthy enough to do the right thing, to not be lazy, to change my body, to maintain the the body that I thought I was supposed to have and became all these different things where it was like, 
this checkmark box is not thing that I was doing because I was enjoying doing it. I tried to find things to enjoy about it because I was trying to follow all those health tips of making sure you love some, find something that you love doing and all those different parts. But still, it became this thing that I didn't love the process of doing. And as I got more into intuitive eating again, and I say intuitive eating again, because even though I didn't know what intuitive eating was at the time, before I started dieting, I was just naturally an intuitive eater and just naturally listened to my body's hunger and fullness cues. But when I got into learning intuitive eating in this process, one of the things I did, and I want to recommend this for everyone, it just depends on where you are, but the thoughts about food, working my relationship with food, I ended up deciding to focus on that more than my relationship with exercise and the thoughts around exercising and wanting to change my body and maybe I'll lose weight, all of those. I just didn't want to focus on them. So I stopped working out in traditional workouts and ended up after like a month of not doing that, realizing I didn't like how my body feels, I started walking a lot. And then my relationship with exercise started to change again with moving my body because it feels better when I move my body. And almost more of like the process of being outside and loving, like listening to audiobook, listen to podcasts, listen to music, whatever it is that I can just truly enjoy being out there and doing. And that has shifted how I viewed movement again, back to more of loving the process of it, of loving what it is doing for my body. Even in the moments when it's like hard and my body doesn't feel good in the moment is like knowing like this is what helps my body feel better overall. And like the process of it becomes more enjoyable when you're focusing on it in that way of like, I'm doing this for me in this really like nurturing and loving way, even when sometimes it's kind of painful to hold a squat or do squats a lot of them and with a heavy weight. And so it's really understanding where that motivation and where it's coming from, because the more awareness we have over that is the more we can build something that matches what we want to build. And this is why I said earlier too, to make sure that whatever lessons you're hearing, whatever you're learning is to take that moment of step back to evaluate through the lens of what your values are and what matters to you. Because had I done it and had I understand that that motivation that flip in college from just loving exercise because I loved the competition, I loved playing sports to something I wanted to do to like fit in and not be viewed as lazy and to like keep my body a certain way so people would have certain opinions about me. Like the realizing how much of it was for other people versus for myself. If I had had the tools and the skills, I would just wonder how that path would have gone. Not that I would change it because it's the path that I was meant to go on to get here to get to this place where I'm so excited in my business to be able to help people with this. But it's interesting to consider and that's part of my motivation for doing this work is to help people not have to go through that unnecessary drama that I went through with food and health and exercise and all of that because we don't need to complicate our relationship with it so much like we've been taught to. Because when we're just focused on the end result, what we don't see is how we're becoming stronger along the way. Although maybe you can see both. But I know for a lot of times I would be focused on like, say I was training to run a 5k. I would be focused on not being able to run the three miles yet. And instead of being at this pace or the spot that I was and in seeing the progress that I was making, because I would use one of those apps that was like a 5k trainer and where you'd in the beginning, you would like run for 60 seconds, then walk for 90 seconds and, or even, I even been walking for longer than that in the beginning, I mean, maybe three minutes and 60 seconds. I don't remember. Um, but 
instead of really looking at how I was progressing through the intervals and progressing in my strength, I was just so focused on like, how am I going to be able to run 3.2 miles? My time's not fast enough. I'm going to be too slow. People are going to think I'm slow. People are going to think I'm not doing that. Like I would have a lot of that instead of just truly focused on like how much stronger I was getting in really doing that for me and looking at where that motivation is coming from. And as part of the process would have made such a difference. And that reminded me of another example I've seen a lot when you're talking about the compounding effect of smaller amounts. I'm going to look it up because I can't remember exactly what the numbers were. Because the example that I'm thinking of is, would you choose $1 million today or would you choose the amount of a take a penny at the end of 30 days that has been doubled every single day. And I might've said that in a weird way, but basically the penny is being doubled every single day for 30 days, or you could take a million dollars today. And like, which one would you choose? And like the logic behind the example, if you haven't heard it before, and I don't even know who to credit it to, because I can't even remember what book I read it in or where it originally came from. But that looking at like a penny, it's like, oh, after two days, it's just going to be two pennies. Like it's not going to count to that much is what a lot of people would think. And like they'd rather just take the million today because that seems like a very large sum because I mean, of course it is a large sum. And in that example, it demonstrates how the progress can seem so small in the beginning because I'm looking at it because I looked it up now because I didn't want to do the math myself of what a penny doubled is. Day 10, that penny doubled goes to $5 in 12 cents. And then at day 20, it's at $5,242 in some sense. But then by day 30, it's over 5 million. And that's like when we're compounding is like when we are focused so much on the results, we're not really trusting in the process of taking those little steps and how much that will accumulate to over time. Because most growth, a lot of times is exponential. It really picks up over time. It's kind of like a snowball effect. It's like the more you push the snowball, the bigger and bigger it grows kind of exponentially with it. And when we're in the process and all we're doing is focusing on the result, it can be a lot harder to see that little progress that is happening day by day. And if we aren't really focused in on that process, when we aren't seeing that result showing up and the motivation is that end result, and we're not in the moment seeing how things are changing, then of course, it's a lot harder to stick with a process or even with intuitive eating where it shows up sometimes is when you have kind of like the setback of like say things are going really well and then some stressful event happens and then I go back to like overeating or whatever the habit is, then people kind of panic. Like it's not working. Like I should go back to something else. Like this isn't working. I don't like, I need to do something else. I should go back to dieting and go back to calorie counting or go back to counting my macros, try this diet that I had tried before. And that can seem extremely tempting to do when we aren't getting the result that we think we're supposed to be getting and not trusting in the process because it's difficult to do in those moments when we don't see that end result because our brain is constantly looking for evidence to confirm whatever it is that we're trying to believe. And so when it's looking for evidence, what it wants to do usually is the most familiar thing, which is when it takes heart. That's why most people don't like change is because our brains, our brains feel most comfortable doing the thing that's the most familiar, even if it's not the thing that helps us to thrive. It's really wired, it's really wired more so for survival than for thriving, which is why when we're changing habits, it's like rewiring our brain because we have to overcome the past way of doing things 
and reprogram our brain to do it a different way. And it's more tempting to change and try something different because it can feel a lot more productive. It can feel like we're taking a lot more action when we're in that planning phase, when we're changing what we're doing. It feels like we're doing something more and we're doing something productive when a lot of times really what we want and would help us the most is doing more of the same thing consistently because sometimes we'll change things too quickly before we give it time to work. And that's really hard because when you're trying to trust the process, like it takes so much trust. It takes so much like faith and belief that you can do that and trust in yourself and the willingness to just like ride out the rough patches versus trying to change and fix the rough patches. That's not saying you're not learning valuable lessons in there because that's when you learn the biggest lessons in intuitive eating is during some of those rougher patches, like when we are overeating or when it seems like we're going backwards along the journey. It's really riding that out and learning to trust ourselves. Because if you're in one of those spots with intuitive eating where it's like I'm like one of the big ones, it's like, oh, I'm overeating, like I can't stop overeating, then it's like, oh, well, it's not working. And let me just do something else. Is the easy place to go versus the harder thing to do there is to be like, okay, well, what part of this isn't working for me? Like, do I truly believe that this process can work? Where am it's finding like what is the kink in this process that is interfering with like the gears from running smoothly? And that is the tricky part of intuitive eating because there are so many subtle things that impact us. So whether that's a subtle thing, the little desire still, the hoping that maybe it'll help you lose weight or still being like, oh, well, this food, I know it's not really healthy if I eat a whole bunch of this food. And all of those little ways keep us kind of in that place of stuck and we have to work through all those little kinks. And it's so much easier. It feels so much easier to just be like, I don't want to do this. Let me just go back and pick up these rules from this diet I tried in the past and do it again. Because this tells me what to do. And I can just rely on somebody else to tell me what to do versus sitting in the discomfort of making that decision and figuring out what's best for me because it is not easy. But then it's finding that motivation if it is truly what you want of like, well, why do I want this? I can tell you why I chose I wanted it. Even in those moments when I was like, I should just go back to the way that like everybody else is doing it. And one was being that I did not want to go back to that place I was before where I was constantly thinking about food and of trying and failing and trying and failing in that complete cycle again. I wanted that place of trust. I believed that I could eventually one day get to where I could trust myself around food because after reading the intuitive eating book, after reading some of those different things, like it made sense. And so I decided to put faith and trust in that and in the hope that I could figure it out a way to make it work because it sounded truly amazing. And I just decided to put my faith and trust in that and to continue working through the process. And it took time and it was difficult, but keeping the idea of what I wanted that process and experience to be like and the compassion that I wanted to bring for myself, that did help me. Like, as I'm thinking about it, like, enjoy the process of learning to be an intuitive eater and learning to enjoy the process of like how nice it was, like in meals to just be like, oh, this is amazing. And like truly enjoying a meal and like sitting down, not focused on whether it was bringing the right combination of nutrients into my diet to make 
what my goals were for that day. Instead of doing all of that, it was just this appreciation for eating food and how it was making me feel and this appreciation for how my body was feeling and just realizing how much I loved the process of like learning intuitive eating. And that's probably why I ended up sticking with it is also partially probably a motivation of not liking the process of that I was in before. And here is the fun thing about doing this work and finding those different things is like for some of the other areas that I want to work on, it's like once you build that skill in one area, then here's a fun thing that I want you to know that when you get there is now I get to rely on that past experience. Like sometimes we can use the past against ourselves, but it's like, oh, I already know how to love and enjoy the process. So like now let me apply it to some of the different workouts that I want to do, some of the different areas of my life that I want to focus on and grow more so. And when you build that skill in one area, it's so much easier to apply it other places because you already learned that first skill. And so even just realizing now that I already know how to love the process, I use that when I was building my skill of intuitive eating. It's like I can draw on that past experience of what that was like for me and apply it to other areas of my life, which is why this work is so amazing to do because it just, it does get easier as you develop those first skills. It's the hardest the first time you try to change something like this in your relationship with food and yourself is because then when you go to do it in other areas, like time management or relationship with money or relationship with sleep or relationship with another person, any of those different things, like once you start developing those skills, you can apply them in all those other areas of life as well. That is everything I wrote down on my walk that I wanted to share in this week's episode. I hope you found it useful and helpful, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Better Than Healthy podcast. If you're finding these episodes helpful, I would love it if you would leave me a review or share it with people so that way more people can find it. Thank you, and I'll see you next week.